0: Run, 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 because here's another episode of They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, a podcast book club for the strange and unusual. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Sarah. And today we're talking about My Dearest Darkest by Kayla Cottingham. My Dearest Darkest introduces us to Finch, who has recently survived a terrible accident that claimed the lives of her parents. She is a new transfer student to the Yulalum Academy on the island of Rainwater. And while she is a new student, she starts to experience strange things that seem to draw her to a group of popular girls. And she and this group of girls encounter a spirit who starts agreeing to grant their wildest requests for a price. So if you've never listened to our podcast today, we are going to spoil the ending. So listen at your own peril, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't done this in so long. I don't know how (laughs) how I'm doing so far. (laughs) Sarah, will you tell us more about the author?
1: Yes. So uh, Caleb Cottingham. Uh, Uses she, they pronouns, and is a YA author and librarian. Her debut book was My Dearest Darkest. It's a New York Times and Publishers Weekly Bestseller. She actually has her second book coming out this April, uh, and it's called This Delicious Death. So it's a sapphic horror about four friends, a music festival, and a cooler filled with human organs. Whoa. Uh, I will say I was a little misled from the tagline, which says, it's a girl-eat-girl world out there. (laughs) I thought it was something else. (laughs) And then I read the description. uh, It's talking about human cannibalism. So just... Bomber. I know. (laughs) Uh, So Kayla lives in Boston, where she loves to go hiking in the woods play RPGs, and snuggle on the couch with her large black cat named Squid. Oh, I love that.
0: Uh, So also, just a a little note, uh, if you've never listened to this podcast before, Sarah and I both work for public libraries and apparently so did Kayla Cottingham.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Sarah, will you tell me your general thoughts on this book?
1: So before I say like it, if it was good or bad or I liked it or didn't like it, I think I just felt like this book was a little disjointed for me. Um, I really loved the first chapter; beginning takes off. I was like, this book is going to be incredible, I love that first chapter uh, with Finch uh, getting a you know going to the school and then uh, for an audition, and then her parents die, right? Um, And they get into that car accident and she like she survives. And so I thought that was like, this is really good. And I think as the book went on, um, you know, it's also about the main character, you know, realizing her identity as a lesbian um, and with these friends at school. Um, I think it was a lot of cheesy horror for me. Um, And there was some of it that was kind of taking me uh, kept taking me out of the excitement of the book. Um, I do think the book was also a bit long. I think it could have been shorter. Uh, some scenes I was like, okay, let's keep moving. Or maybe we didn't need this one. It just felt like there were also a lot of different elements in the book that didn't really fit together. And then of course, at the end, it was like this cutesy thing. And I don't know, just, uh, I I think, you know, out of, Five stars i m- maybe like a three and a half
0: okay uh so when I originally read the book uh which to be fair was in October um I I was very I had a similar experience where I started it and I was into it right away um and I was very excited about that and then as the story went on there were some things that kind of took me out of it. And I'll talk about those more in detail in a minute. Um, And I ended the book kind of feeling a little, mm, a little not satisfied, a little like I wish it had lived up to what I thought it was going to be when I read the first chapter. However, since then, I like find that the book did stay with me more than I thought it would. And so, even though I still have some qualms, um, I still think I overall liked it, and I probably would read something else by this author. Uh, But we can talk about that more in depth. What I wanted to know uh, was, when you start that first chapter, and Finch loses her parents, right, and Uh, She is miraculously saved and uh, she uh, has bright white or gray hair after surviving this awful crash that claimed the life of her parents. And she has to go to a new school uh, in the town where her parents died. And she's immediately this outsider. Uh, I'm wondering, like, Could you have foreseen where the story was going right from the beginning? Or did you think it was going to be about something totally different?
1: Oh, that's a good one. I think it was going to be about something totally different. Um, I think the way the monster in this book turned out to be and those expectations of what you had to give up in order to write. Attain those, you know, beauty, power, whatever it is that you truly want. I think it's an interesting concept of the book to talk about what are people's deepest desires and what are you willing to give up for it to get those if you have the opportunity.
0: We should probably mention for the listeners who may or may not have read that they encounter a girl spirit in the underground caverns. And she at first seems like just this girl who's trapped somehow, but then she starts offering to grant them requests. Um, and But what she wants in return gets weirder and weirder. At first, it's like fingernails or hair, and then eventually she's asking for eyeballs. Uh, and so I agree. I liked that a lot. I did think that was interesting. Um, for me that character's dialogue at times, I don't know if it struck me as uh, sinister enough. I don't know if I was scared of Neurosi for most of the book.
1: I think I was from Finch's perspective. I think the dynamic was interesting between the friends um, and then this weird relationship with Neurosi, the the monster. But um, I... I don't know. I liked this overall concept, but I felt like, yeah, the actual dialogue between characters, I don't feel like was very strong. Um, and I felt like it was a lot of very, you know, just very high schooly. I mean, yes, it's, so it's a a YA book, right? Um, so very high school type of drama going on. Who likes who, getting drunk at a party, kissing a boy. You don't like boys, now you're a lesbian, right? And it's all about finding yourself, um, I guess it's, it's ironic that I say I want the book to be shorter, but there are things that I feel like, you know, she, there's, maybe there's just too much going on in the book where she's like trying to find out who she was. I, I also didn't get a whole lot of grief in the book. Like what was her grief process from her parents? It felt very like her parents died and Oh, now she's got this new life at the school. She's fine. I guess about her parents dying. Um, so it felt like there, there wasn't a lot of closure with that, um, And then, yeah, just this concept of neurose, but then also the drama between the friends. And then there's like also now we're connected to the past, right? So there's like stuff. This has actually happened at the school before. And so, um, yeah, it just it felt like a little bit too much and kind of didn't flow as much as I wanted it to. But I, I love the overall concept and I do think I liked it. Um, I'm curious about like her, uh, Kayla's book coming out in April. It has a very similar feel to me. So I don't know if I would exactly want to read it.
0: I like, I, I didn't mind everything <laughs> that was going on as far as like her personal life and also this monster. I actually thought that the parts with her, with Finch and Selena kind of dancing around one another in this, like, I hate you. Maybe I like you. I kind of liked that. (laughs) Um, However, when it is revealed that this situation with Neurosi has happened in the past um, and that another group of kids disappeared, I think that is where I started to take issue um, because I felt like we were going on this goose chase that was distracting me from both of the main stories And then on top of that, they kept finding things by coincidence and it just felt super convenient. There's actually a scene where they talk to a librarian
1: uh,
0: (laughs) and she just happens to have the album and they like, they stumble upon so many things related to this previous group in a way that didn't feel inevitable. It felt like coincidence. And that to me, I was like, Number one, this is distracting me from the original story. Um, But then number two, it just felt very, uh, like, it felt like the author was putting things in our way and being like, look at this. And I'm like, oh, but now I know you're here. Like, now I know somebody's pulling the strings in a way that it would have been, uh, I would have preferred for that to not even be a plot point. However... I will say there is a scene where they find a ghost of a character who is crying because she has plucked out her own eyes. And I think that is the scariest scene in the book.
1: Yes, it is
0: for sure. So I did, I did feel like some things happen very coincidentally, and I understand that it's YA, but I don't necessarily give like a pass or feel like You have to write down, not that that is what she did. uh, But I still feel like even as a teen, I would have been like, well, that's a little, that's a little hokey. Uh, However, I do feel like other elements in the book made up for it. There are things that I thought were very scary. I also, I really liked the group of popular girls. I thought their motivations for why they would go to Neurosi were really fleshed out. Like the one girl who is Asian and feels like everybody expects her to be uh, really smart and perform well in school. And that's just not who she actually is. And so she goes to Neurosi for that. The one girl who isn't as pretty as she wants to be. Like all of these characters had really good motivations. Why I do think that like a lot of teenagers, they could be led into making a super bad decision, even uh, going against their gut. And so I did like that.
1: I did too. I agree. Um, I I think the one thing, I think that one big issue I had with the book was that this has happened before. There was this, it felt like a subplot point for a while. It's about a band. It's the band that disappeared, that they figure out that this has happened before and these kids are just missing. And I guess they go to visit the parent of one of the missing band members. And it just felt like I don't, I, I wasn't really into that part. And then there's also where the past characters come and visit them through like a time warp or something. And that really took me out of the story um, where I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's necessary. If we can just focus on the supernatural elements of this one monster, like we don't have to make it a broader like over time problem why couldn't it just be about this time period like it
0: and it's funny because i also had that feeling about those like echo ghosts where you're like seeing things that happened in the past even if it had been left at that it would have worked for me but because those ghosts also interact with the people in the present day, yeah. For the ghosts, it's very, it's very clear that for the ghosts, they're still in their present, and so they're not actually ghosts. There's like this weird time intersection happening, and for some reason, I was like, this, mm, this is not working for me because if they are able to interact, then why are the characters in the past not able to make different decisions?
1: exactly so
0: that didn't work for me um and it like even if it does somehow make sense for me the fact that i had to stop the book and rewind it and then like go to my hard copy and be like okay let me read that again maybe i don't understand it was distracting and it pulled me out of the story mm-hmm. um however um i did like that one scene with the character who plucked out the eyes but other than that, I don't think I needed that plot at all, which is funny because in our favorite series in Alice Hoffman, there is a scene where a character sees an echo or like a ghost and they see a spirit interacting like reenacting their life, right? And but that spirit doesn't interact with the present? And so that made sense to me and so it worked in that book and then for this one it pulled me out a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad I read it, but I pre- I, won't, I won't be reading it again.
0: <laughs> I also like I think at first when I read it in October, the ending with the monster it I like felt like having a monster that is an amalgamation of a bunch of different animal parts. Um, may not be the most original idea, but the longer I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, but the monster, you know, some people are going to be scared by that. Some people are not. Um, But that was not as scary as the actual climax. And here's where we're really going to spoil stuff because (laughs) Rosie eventually becomes this monster who like has a bunch of different animal parts. um, And Tyra who is this girl who has been hooking up with Selena? She gets very jealous and she uh, like is coming after the girls. And so is Neurosi the monster. And they there's also this time warp that opens up uh, and is sucking everything into it. And the ending where they finally de- defeat Neurosi and Kyra by shoving them into this time warp, I actually, that stuck with me. Because I was like, that is really terrifying from Kyra's perspective, you know, because there is a moment where she's like trying to get out. And I was like, I really liked that. Yeah. Um, And so I did, like when I finished the book, I think there were things that had taken me out of the story when I read it in October. And then after some time has gone by, I'm like, okay, but that ending really worked for me though. And I
1: like (laughs) (laughs) I guess, and maybe that was... I wonder if that's why she brought in the echoed characters uh, and the connection to the present because that was maybe the only way to kill the monster at the end. Like, how else do you kill a monster like that without just pushing him into a portal? Right. And
0: see, for me, like, I totally get that. But for, like, for me, I still wanted to come up with a better solution for Finch to figure that out.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Okay, so did you have thoughts on if this was going to be a movie? Because
1: I do. I'm always... I'm I never prepared for this. We do this every podcast and for some reason I never do it.
0: It's okay. It's We're taking a refill break. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm getting my seltzer because... I'm sober now. No more cocktails for me. Uh, So now, my fancy drink is Topo Chico. Uh Uh-oh. I hope the mic caught that. Uh Uh-oh. ASMR
1: channel. Nice! I didn't hear it, but I'm sure the mic picked it up.
0: Okay, well, just imagine club soda being poured. It sounded very relaxing. And, dare I say... Sexy. (laughs) But my thoughts on if this was going to be a movie, which I do actually think this would make a killer movie. Yeah. Like in particular, I think it would make a great movie aimed directly at teens. Like even like tweens. I think you could take some of the more steamy bits and tone them down a little bit and just have Selena and Finch like crush on each other um, and it would make a great movie for like 12 and up because I I do think it's just the right amount of scary for a younger audience. I do um, too. But if you've watched Wednesday my thoughts. <gasps> yes in- yeah, Enid as uh, Finch. Yes Enid as Finch and Jenna Ortega who plays Wednesday as Selena Sinclair.
1: Oh that would be really good. I yeah. agree.
0: Cuz I think Jenna Ortega is way too pretty to play the outsider at this point. She's just really glamorous and but I would see her as a Selena Sinclair character. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, you know what? We're calling uh we're calling Tim Burton.
1: We're telling him this is his next project. That would be, a oh, this being like a Tim Burton film would be so cool. Especially with all the like, the body parts stuff. Whoop! Mm. Whoop! Or even like, um, I I know this
0: isn't his vibe, but I I did picture Nerosi as the monster as almost like a Guillermo del Toro, Pan's Labyrinth kind of character, so.
1: I see that too, for sure.
0: Mm. Okay,
1: Sarah... Will
0: you tell me your moan and your groan?
1: Okay. My moan and my groan. I obviously didn't prepare for these. It's so okay. Gonna...
0: I'll go first then. You
1: go first and I'll think about it.
0: So your moan, I'm sorry. I should have helped you prepare better.
1: It's I, It's like I should know. I should know. Honestly,
0: not. we started this podcast an hour late because I don't know time. <laughs> um, Sarah texted me and was like, are we still... Are we still? good? (laughs) Are we friends?
1: (laughs) Hello, hello, hello.
0: Uh, So your moan and your groan, your moan is the part that you loved. It made you moan. And your groan is the part that made you set down the book and go, ugh. Okay, I have mine. We've already kind of covered them, but I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, My moan is actually when Selena Sinclair who knows that Neurosi is bad news and has seen the other people in her friend group getting used and knows that every body part they give to Neurosi makes her stronger and more dangerous. She gets injured because Selena Sinclair is a dancer and she injures herself right before this big performance. And she ends up going to see Neurosi. And I really like that because it was a case of a character acting uh, like in at odds with their intuition, but I did feel like it was really clear why. Like it made sense to me why she disregarded everything she knew and did it anyway. She made the wrong choice on purpose. And I was like, I actually really like this and felt it was really motivated. Um, so I like that. But my groan, it does oh, and It hurts me because I love librarian scenes, but sometimes they do come off as hokey because you know, (laughs) it is everybody like there's so many books where there is a librarian because obviously authors love librarians and this author was a librarian. And, but the librarian scene, it didn't work for me. It felt like the librarian conveniently had all of the answers. And so, unfortunately, it didn't work for me. And I really wanted it to. But, <laughs> Sarah, your turn.
1: Okay. Uh, my moan was I actually really liked the scene where Selena and Finch go to, I actually don't remember exactly where they were. It was like, was it an abandoned building or like somewhere that people used to go and like hook up? I thought it was, had,
0: it was a dorm. Room. Maybe it was a
1: dorm. Okay. I just remember the scene where they like put a blanket on the floor and they were just like, I liked that whole scene. Do you remember that? No. Okay. Am I making it up in my head? You might not be. Is this between Selena and um, Finch? Yeah. There's like this moment where they like lay this blanket out and they're just like hanging out together and just being themselves. And I just really liked it.
0: I did feel like that relationship was really well developed.
1: I did too. I liked their relationship a lot. Um, And they both had like their, they were like trying to protect each other, uh, which I liked and they needed that. Um, I do think it's really funny that it ended up that way because in the beginning, right, there's the, where she auditions and she accidentally outs Selena as having alcohol. And then she gets like suspended or- something happened nothing terrible but like uh so you don't expect that relationship in the beginning you're like oh she really pissed off that that student (laughs) um but yeah I think my my groan is definitely just all the scenes about the band I felt like the band was super why did it have to be a band and it was like nobody remembered them um or like there was no and uh, this kind of comes to your point about like the librarian having the album because it was like nowhere else could they find information about these band members. It's like, they didn't exist. So they had, they like went and talked to one of the moms and then the librarian magically had the album. And yeah, so I just, I. There was a thing
0: like, I think that was one of the logic flaws that bothered me the most too is it like people remembered them, but they had assumed that the band had just gone on and was so successful. And that's why they hadn't heard from their loved ones in years. And it was like, but at some point, wouldn't you be like, but I've never heard of them. What happened to them? It just felt really weird how everybody was like, oh yeah. And then they laughed to be a band and that, that was it. And it's like, no, what? Somebody's mom would be like, what the hell?
1: Yeah. Wasn't it like the mom that was like, they might be off somewhere like, living their life yeah, it, it felt
0: convenient and i do like that was another part of it where i was like but this is a really convenient way for nobody to have looked into this mystery <laughs> but yeah i totally get that as you're grown uh so we are going to play <laughs> a game oh my god ah! <laughs> And our game today, because Neurosi is an amalgamation of animals when she is revealed in her monstrous form. Uh, Our game today is called, If It Quacks, It's a Duck. Because (laughs) we're going to talk about different monsters, and I'm going to tell you a monster name. And it (laughs) is your job to tell me what animals that monster is comprised of. Okay.
1: Let's do it.
0: Okay. Like if I said a mermaid, you would say
1: uh fish and a person.
0: No, you would say merman, papa. Merman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-
0: <laughs> yes. Fish and a person. Okay. Here we go. Your first cryptid is a kitsune, a kitsune. And this is a Japanese creature from folklore. And apparently it has nine tails and it gets uh, more mystical powers the older and wiser it gets.
1: Okay. Well, I've never heard of this before, so I'm going to give it a fun guess. A kitsune. I'm going to say it's the mix of Okay, so it's nine tails. Holy shit. Okay. So I don't know. I'm going to say a donkey, a loon, and a kangaroo.
0: Oh, I like it. It's actually just a nine-tailed fox. I don't know if you can see
1: that. Well, okay. I was taking kangaroo from the <laughs> yeah. K and loon from the oon. I also
0: love that I said Japanese mythology and you're like kangaroo from- Yes.
1: From totally the Japanese ignoring.
0: kangaroos. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Hippocampus. Not not just part of the the brain anymore. (laughs) Uh, Hippocampus. And I'll give you a hint. um, In Greek mythology, uh, Poseidon's chariot was supposedly driven by a team of hippocampi. Hippocampi?
1: Hippocampi. Hippocampi. Hippocamp. Hippocamp you. Okay, so it's uh, probably some form of a like a maybe a horse with. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting happy face from Jonathan. <laughs> uh, okay, so horse hippocampi maybe some wings and, uh, I don't know maybe the head of like, a hippo. <laughs>
0: not a bad guess. Uh, it
1: is the head of a horse and
0: the body of a fish.
1: Oh, 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 get Poseidon. Oh my, Damn it. Okay. Of...
0: okay. Next one. Cerberus. Cerberus.
1: Oh, isn't this the guardian of the underworld? It's a three-headed dog, isn't it? Yes.
0: All right. Good. Yeah!
1: Okay.
0: All right. Chimera. Chimera. Oh,
1: I know this one. I always forget what parts they are, but I think it's like... Is it like a lion, Uh, a lion, that's all I got is a lion. Okay.
0: It's uh, a lion and then it has another animal's head coming out of its back. And then it has a tail that is actually another animal's head. This is a tough one
1: yeah i got got
0: nothing am i right yeah this one is very hard so it is a monstrous fire breathing creature so dragon uh no actually uh so it has the head of a lion and it has a goat's head coming out of its back which sounds absolutely fucking useless (laughs) uh and then it has the tail terminates in the head of a snake well that's right i think i remember that now, that I could use, but that goat's head in the back, I'd be like, great. I guess that's my body's garbage disposal. <laughs> you're I mean, like, trying- you
1: shut up. Stop making your your noises. Right? You're
0: trying to do lion shit. And then all of a sudden you've got, and you're like, shut up. You're not <laughs> <part of> this. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh,
0: hippogriff.
1: Oh, hippogriff. Yeah, it's the body of an eagle, the no, eh, b- body of an eagle head of has wings. Uh what's the head? Like a body of an eagle. No, no what did I say?
0: <laughs> you said body of an eagle.
1: I did say that. Okay. Uh I forget what the head is, but I know what it is.
0: So it actually has the front end of an eagle and okay. with wings. And then it has the back end of a horse. But then also eagle claws on the on the horse on, That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh and we only have we only have two more. All right. A jackalope.
1: A jackalope. Is it like an antelope and a I don't know a fucking skunk or something so th- this is a creature invented by
0: taxidermists in the 1930s
1: that's right i'm like i know i've heard this before
0: and you might see them in a lot of steakhouses because we're weird as humans we just sew animals together and we're like let's put it on the wow
1: oh isn't it oh it's like a like it's deer right it's deer with um, oh, with like the head of a rabbit with the yeah. with the horns.
0: It's a rabbit with the horns of a of a little baby deer, which is really gross right. When you think about it, we're gross. Uh, and then the last one is a griffin. A griffin. A griffin.
1: I know this one. In the moment, damn it uh isn't there also a lot li- i swear lions are just very popular and yeah creatures that are mixed with different body parts uh-huh, uh, also this character
0: is in uh, a book by she who must not be named
1: that's right yes mm-hmm. yes griffin
0: uh dumbledore uh, has a griffin shaped door knocker doesn't help you yeah moving on
1: now okay so you said lion lion uh is it a head of a bird
0: yes it's the head of an eagle so really similar to a hippogriff i mean Richie, getting lazy here on the invention yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right nicely done i'm gonna say you got 10 out of 10 i think oh you- you know what?
1: We just get to give each other points because we deserve them.
0: You're not an anthropologist for nothing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not of cryptids. Definitely not of cryptids. Oh,
0: my god. Okay. So what would you rate this book out of 10?
1: Out of 10, honestly, I probably would give it a six and a half.
0: I think that's fair. I can't go quite up to a seven. I still liked it. I really liked the ending. I really liked the romance. I would give it a 6.75. So
1: oh, so very hell. close. i it up
0: to a 6.8. Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just as we can.
0: Oh, my gosh. All right. So what else are you reading, watching, or listening to?
1: Ooh, you go first.
0: Uh, so... Right now, I am in the middle of the Scott Pilgrim uh, like graphic novels and they just announced that they are going to be coming out with an anime. So I'm very excited because my I'd watch the movie and love the movie and my boyfriend has gotten me into the graphic novels and now they're being adapted into an anime and it has most of the cast from the movie and I think the same director. And so that's really
1: exciting. Yeah.
0: Uh, so that's what I'm enjoying right now.
1: Awesome. Uh, so I am reading The Husbands by uh, Chandler Baker and um, it's a book about uh, this woman And she's uh, working uh, with her husband, and they are looking at buying a new house uh, somewhere else. And um, this is a little bit like the Stepford Wives, but including other uh, genders in uh, the the group. But apparently, uh, I guess like a murder happens in this community. I don't know if she buys the house. I'm not too far into it just yet. Um, but she's a lawyer. And so with all of these other characters, um, something happens and they have, they're like going to solve the mystery or something like that. Uh, So I'm really excited. There's some sort of plot shit happening. There's a plot.
0: There's some kind of plot.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far, you know, we'll have to see where it goes, but, uh, yeah, I do enjoy some of the, uh, complaining in there of like. Just some of the things where she's like, she wish my husband would do this. Why isn't he doing this? <laughs>
0: so <Yeah>. uh, <sighs> I am gonna have to read that too because you are my fourth friend who is reading or has read it. Uh my three other friends uh all gave it like five star reviews, five out of five.
1: So. Oh yeah, great. Well then hopefully I will like it. Absolutely.
0: And then the only other thing that I'm reading. Uh, watching or listening to or just in general enjoying is our friend Rebecca who is usually a guest on this podcast or like a co-conspirator or whatever you want to call it. Uh, she also has an Etsy shop and it's called Strange Unusual Books. All one word, Strange Unusual Books. And she has all kinds of spooky or fantasy related stickers and t-shirts and totes. And she actually has a new Pedro Pascal one from The Last oh of my
1: Us. God, that- it's amazing.
0: It says baby girl. Oh my God, uh-huh. Uh, love it this one too just take my wallet but anyways take my money but right until next time stay spooky our upcoming episodes are we're going to be talking about a gwendolyn keist novel called reluctant immortals and sarah and i are going to be reading the shining uh by stephen king and nosferatu by joe hill and we're going to be talking about that in one episode uh-oh it's a long one so- i'm
1: excited about that so much also because i live in maine where stephen king lives and then just kind of comparing his writing with his son's writing it's gonna be great
0: it is all right until then stay spooky and hit subscribe if you haven't we love you mom and we love you Vietnam. Goodbye. goodbye The music for They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, comes from Eric Matias at www.soundimage.org.
1: Goodbye! Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.